Hello there and welcome to the Secrets of Organ Playing podcast. I'm your host, Vidas Pinkavichus. Today's guest is Martin Pazzi, a founder and owner of Pazzi Organ Builders, a company which is located south of Seattle in Roy, Washington. Martin Pazzi received his first formal experience in organ building during a four-year apprenticeship with the Rieger company in his native Austria. He immigrated to the United States in 1981 and worked with several organ builders until he opened his own shop. Since the opening of the shop in 1990, 22 instruments have been completed, ranging in size from a three-stop continuo to a large four-manual organ. The company specializes in building fine mechanical action organs and restoration of historic instruments. Working with a small group of fine craftsmen, Martin Pazzi oversees all phases of building his organs, including design, manufacturing, voicing, and installation. All components of the instruments are built in his shop. In this conversation, we'll get a glimpse into his world, what it takes to build organs of incredible beauty and lasting impact for generations to come, and give back to the community of organists and organ builders around the world. Let's go to the show. So, Martin, I'm so... Uh, excited uh, to have this conversation with you. We've been uh, friends for uh, many years now and uh, I'm following your work very closely and uh, you're such a generous soul and uh, very inspiring organ builder. Thank you so much for joining this interview. Well, you're very welcome. I'm glad you contacted me and I uh, appreciate what you're doing uh, with all these podcasts. Uh, it's very educational. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I remember uh, how we first met, you see, uh, back in 2000, maybe two or 2003, I think, uh, when I and Oshra were still uh, studying at Eastern Michigan University, but we visited, I think, uh, Rochester, New York, uh, Eroy Organ Conference, remember? And uh, lots of organ builders were there, and... Uh, and they had a plan to start uh, this uh, replica uh, of Casparini organ in Vilnius and build it in Rochester, Christchurch, Rochester, which eventually was completed, of course. And uh, at that time, I remember uh, people were gathering around the tent of the improvised workshop. And uh, basically, they saw how the metal pipes were cast, right? Remember that? Yeah. And... Uh, and uh, later on, when I started uh, seeing your work online, I also was very much impressed that you was you were one of the few organ builders who uh, recorded and uh, made a few f uh, videos how to make uh, organ pipes, for example, reed pipes and flue pipes. That was f so fascinating. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. How did you come up with this idea to to document to your work in video? Yeah, when we um, when 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 we got the contract for the Saint Cecilia Cathedral organ in Omaha, Nebraska, um, I thought that was a well you know worthwhile project to document and had this plan of just making a complete documentation of building that organ or maybe another organ too and mix things up a bit uh, you know in certain areas. But uh, I took it upon myself to to hire. Uh, a video person, a uh, filmmaker, and we started, you know, obviously the pipe making uh, was the obvious choice to start with because pipe making is something that can happen uh, within a, in a relatively short time, you know, from start to finish, you know, making a pipe, one could cut out a pipe and um, make it maybe a two-foot pipe maybe in 10, 15 minutes. Uh, from start to finish, and so that was that made sense to to start with that. That's what we did, you know, pipe making, uh, flue pipes, and and the reed pipes in detail, so in order to give it, you know, give something back to the world of organ builders who might uh, be interested in 
how we do things and how things are done in general. And and, uh, and uh, in in the years since uh, we posted all those things on the internet, uh, I got many numerous numerous contacts uh, from all over the world, you know, asking me questions about other details that might not have been in the videos. And so there's been an, go- been an ongoing connection to the organ builder world through that. And, and it's still really going on uh, to this state. Um, yes. And so I, I was very happy to, to, to get these reactions. You know, everything was really positive. And um, so it's, you know, it never really turned out to be a complete documentation because, as you might know, and many people know, you know, when you get into professional video making it's it takes a lot of time you know to do this you know, mm-hmm. many many takes and and to, to get something you know but but you know we did we did that much and 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 i was satisfied maybe in the future some other things in that direction will happen I, i'm very much into uh showing things to people you know how we do it and 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 how not just how we do it, but how it's done. You know, pipe making is something a very general thing. I mean, there are certain details that one builder does differently than others. But in general, if there is one way to make pipes. You know, I mean, the, the basic tasks of pipe making are pretty basic. And uh, and so we um, think that um, that it was a good you know a good idea to share with the world. Amazing work, uh, pa- uh, Martin. Because uh, because these videos are really treasures uh, for people who are interested in in how f- organs are f- functioning, right? How they are constructed. Because organists, uh, in, and not not only organ builders, but organ music lovers and organ lovers in general, they sometimes don't don't have a clue how the organ is constructed, right? They listen mm-hmm. to the beautiful music, uh, mm-hmm. but they don't don't understand and appreciate how the sound is produced and uh, uh, they have this vague idea that uh, yes we need pipes and uh, keys and bellows and a little bit of trackers uh, if we're lucky but but other than that yes you see uh, they it's a, such a big mystery and in these videos you reveal everything no not everything but uh, whatever is was possible in when you were working on saint cecilia organ uh, by the way magnificent project and we'll talk about later about it and um, i think this is so important what you did and i hope you will you will uh, you know there are many ways you can do that even even without um as you say, it, it takes lots of time and takes and cuts and edits. But imagine you are working on a an, a new project like you are doing now, um, for example, and you can just document everything like uh, like we are talking right now. We are just uh, <laughs> sitting on 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 uh, both sides of the Atlantic, right? Different parts of the world, but we're yeah. chatting like having a cup of cappuccino right and and in your work for example if you just put a camera it's it's definitely a miracle because you're working and uh, perhaps explaining a little bit what you're doing that's it and because you're an expert you will be so much more fluent of course that yeah yeah that's good yeah so, so uh, Martin, let's talk about a little bit uh, about your your childhood. How did you become interested in the organ? Uh, what was the first experience you remember? Yeah, so I, I grew up in Austria, in the western part of Austria, right next to Switzerland and Germany, <clears throat> on Lake Constance. And so I I grew up in a religious, you know, Catholic family. And going to church was very important, and and um, so I, and and so we of course were sent or went to church with my parents, and um, I um, very soon it became clear I was out of one of six six kids in my family, uh, I was the one that actually liked to go to church. You know, I didn't I didn't try to get out of it or anything like that. I just. If anything, I, I really wanted to go. I just, um, more, you know, sometimes more than uh, once a day even because I, uh, I, 
I was so drawn to the organ sound and the organ was played every day in the morning before going to school. There was a mass without, without preaching, you know, just, just a plain mass. But there was an organist there every morning, uh, every single morning. I, I remember all my youth years. Um, and I just, I was drawn to the sound so much that I could, that, that I just wanted to take every opportunity I could get, you know, to, to, to hear the organ. But I was not really aware of the instrument itself, you know, how it would work or, you know, because it was up in, the, it was a very large organ up in the big, big gallery that uh, it was an electro-pneumatic organ from the th early 30s, 1930s, uh, a very good one. It's still there. It's been restored. And uh, I, um, so, but, but I was also a choir boy, an altar boy. And uh, with the choir, the youth choir, um, boys choir it was, we were taken up to the gallery once a year, right around Christmas time. And, uh, and, and uh, the priest, who was the choir director, would open the door to the organ for the people that were interested. And um, I was always right there in the front. And um, once I saw the inside, I thought that that's a real, that's actually a real thing. It's, it's not an abstract thing, you know, it's, it's actually real. And because there were all these, these uh, parts, millions or, you know, thousands of parts, including, of course, the pipes, and no trackers in that organ, but many tubes, pneumatic tubes and things. But um, anyway, that seeing that, I all of a sudden realized that, oh, this was made by somebody and um, maybe they're still made, you know. And anyway, I this opened my, my interest in perhaps getting towards the organ building part of my life and he, he, you know, the priest detected my interest and let me look, you know, more often from there on. And um, but then I found I was about twelve years old at that point, and uh, and I, you know, found out at that point also that there was an organ builder nearby, the Rieger Company, in Austria. It's a fairly well-known organ company in the whole world. They they make organs everywhere. And uh, so when I, once I reached the age of 14, when one could go into an apprenticeship, I was inquiring about an apprenticeship position, and, and it took me a while. It was right there was some economic recession around that time, and they didn't want to hire me. But anyway, I was sort of insisting on it and went there again and again until they took me on. And um, But that was actually a little bit later in my life because at 14, my parents didn't want me to stop going to school and um, so talk me out of it basically you know until until I was 22 years old and I started the whole thing again because I was not satisfied with what, what I was doing at that time was something completely different and the, 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 uh, and at that time I was asking for the job um, and uh, an apprenticeship position so they uh, they finally took me on, and then the four year apprenticeship started, and I could never really imagine anything else, or not much else, really. I mean, there are other really good things that one could do, but but uh, organ building, um, you know, certainly took up my 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 um, life really uh, so far, and um, yeah, that's really it's just a, a being drawn to the sound really it, that's what it, that's what it was even though i was not a keyboard player i did play other instruments but not not keyboard at that point and then so um it doesn't you know it didn't matter any any it 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 worked out just the same yes it's um, it's such a wonderful story to remember uh, your ch childhood experiences uh, how the priest showed you this organ old organ and i think uh, the priest was very wise to show you uh, as a 12 year old uh, you know boy because at that age we are always very keen and very I would say curious about the world, how the world functions, and uh, and uh, you had something probably more than the love of organs inside of you, because uh, not every organist uh, is interested in, 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 in organs, you see, as an instrument, as an artifact, 
but you yeah. probably were interested in uh, how the organ works, right? How it is, how the mechanisms work. Yes, uh, besides growing up in a music family, also I grew up in a family that that liked to make things. Um, we had a shop, my father had a wood shop, not on his own, but you know, in our house, we had a workbench and tools and he, he always made stuff out of wood and carved and stuff like that. So I grew up around that. My brothers, uh, they all are, you know, mechanically inclined very much. So, and so I was, um, it, uh, even though I was sort of the lesser inclined, it seemed like, uh, technically or, or with my hands, although that's, I mean, my family tells me that. Um, uh, although when I go back home, visit my family there, my the things that I made are still displayed on on the mantle, you know, fireplace mantle. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> even even though they thought, oh, well, that was one of the reasons why they tried to talk me out of organ building because that was they thought I wasn't really cut out for for a craft like that. Uh-huh. But you know, they just didn't really realize I uh, I was more drawn to wood. Uh, then uh, my other brothers, they were drawn more to motors and, you know, grease kind of like oily thing. I didn't like that. And I think that it came from that, that, uh, that opinion that, that I was not, that I had, you know, in German, they say to, uh, uh, to somebody who is not a handy with his hands, uh, that, that the person has two left hands rather than a left and right one, you know, not being able to make stuff. Uh-huh, and they uh-huh. th- they thought I was that, you know. I see. Very funny. <laughs> but, uh, of course, that all was not really the case. It was just. I think my parents just didn't want me. They, they wanted me to to be able to work in an office somewhere or something. I'm not sure exactly. Yeah. But but it didn't matter in the end. It um, it was a good thing that I did before organ building. It always helped me. It was a business degree and. Um, I um, I enjoyed um, uh, knowing knowing about that part of 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 my professional life. You know, makes makes things easier to understand the business part. So yeah, everything um, you know, everything sort of fell in place once I started. Once I got ready to be a, to become an organ builder on my own, uh, I, I didn't really plan a whole lot. It just everything just sort of fell in place, you know, like a contract, a shop and people to help me build it. And, um, yeah, so that's, so besides, uh, besides the Rieger organ company, who else, uh, were big influence to you? Yeah. Well, I, when I came first to the United States, the idea was that I would work for Rieger part-time and part-time for the uh, organ builder in Minnesota named, uh, Daniel Chakel. Uh-huh. And um, I was there for one year and tried that out. And uh, but then I, I I was curious about what other builders did and and uh, accepted a, a job offer in Canada uh, with Carl Wilhelm, organ builder near Montreal, and was there for about three and a half years. And um, during that time, I came out west. West Coast in the United States to Portland, Oregon, to install a, re- um, a Wilhelm organ, and had the chance to come to Tacoma to visit David Dahl, who is an organist many people know. Yes. And uh, he, he, uh, so we visited him uh, because we had a free weekend, and he said, "Oh, you have to. Do you, do you want to see these young organ builders? They are just, um, you know, half a mile away from my house, and uh, they are." there at the shop on Saturday. So we went there visiting and I was very much bitten by the bug of that sort of organ, you know, and that sort of atmosphere in organ building, um, the interaction with, you know, with um, organists or professors of universities and um, educators and other interested people. There There was sort of a a time to talk, you know, not just, you know, work every minute of the day, but there was also time to talk about interests and, and uh, about problems and about good things, about everything organ related. And, and I, 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 I felt that just when I was there for a few hours visiting and I thought, wow, this is something new for me. I want, I want to experience this. So I asked them for a job and they, they you know, offered, offered me one right away. And uh, so I moved out west 
and uh, in 1986, you know, uh, that was, moved west and, and then started working with Paul Fritz. And um, that those were the Oregon Dollars at that time, Fritz Richards. And, um, and, they, um, and I learned just a tremendous amount of, of, of organ related, you know, organ building and, and um, also how to think about organs and how to, how to maybe perhaps learn the language of the old masters. So we took trips, you know, to Europe looking at historic organs. Uh, mostly in Germany and, and Holland. And, uh, you know, it was just so much fun. I mean, it couldn't be better uh, being able to learn on the job and uh, fulfill, you know, uh, desires uh, that uh, come along in life. And it's, it's yeah, it was, uh, it was, uh, and then anyway, and we was there with Paul Fritz for about three years and then, as I said before, it, everything fell into place. I didn't really plan, you know, I didn't say, oh, I have to be on my own. I have to be on my own. It, it was not that. It's just somebody wanted me to build an organ and, and somebody offered me uh, a building, you know, to to buy. And, and people came to work for me. So everything happened, you know, at the same time. And that's how it, I guess, I suppose that that's how it often happens in the first place. Yeah, it's um, such a such a um, life mysterious ways of life. Basically, we don't know where we are going to end up. But, yes, uh, these uh, circles of of life basically let us let us wander and find our best way of expressing yeah. ourselves. Yes. Yeah. And I remember how we met each other for the second time. I think uh, it was in Omaha, Nebraska, yeah. uh, where you were installing your Opus uh, 14, right? Number yeah. 14 uh, in the Cathedral of Saint Cecilia. Uh, and this organ is so unique. I, I I'm not sure. Uh, I think there are only three such organs in the world, or at least at that time were, with dual temperament. Uh, let's let's explain uh, our listeners what does dual temperament mean. Yeah. Um, so when we build an organ and we come to the tonal part of, of of an installation of building the organ, we think about temperament. Um, because uh, even though many people use equal temperament. For their instruments, uh, I I come from a different uh, place, uh, and uh, I feel that temperament is an enormously uh, important uh, part of of especially an organ, keyboard instruments, but especially the organ because of the sustained tone, you know, nature of, of an organ. You know, push a note and, and it stays there, and, and as long as you have the finger on the note, on the key. And uh, so anyway, historic temperaments we use, always have used, uh, also with other builders that I've worked with. So my ears got very much, you know, um, accustomed to that kind of sound that that temperament will <clears throat> will give you. And um, But anyway, in Omaha, when, when we negotiated a contract there, once it was decided that, that we would be building the organ, uh, Kevin Vogt, the organist at that time at, at the cathedral, he he asked me, "What about the temperament? You know, what should we use?" And that's <clears throat> and we were driving in the car. Some, you know, when I was showing him an organ of mine, <clears throat> and and uh, I just it just came out of my mouth uh, as a like a surprise, and I said, "How about two temperaments?" <laughs> yeah. And, you know, at that time, at that time, I knew. The organ by Fisk gets stand for university, and um, I, you know, really liked the idea very much. Uh, and also, two temperaments. Of course, the the reason behind the whole thinking about two temperaments is is the mean tone temperament. Uh, you know, because that's something is not easy to to build an organ uh, with one temperament and that being mean tone uh, because it's limited you know and, and most organists don't want to be limited to that extent 
And uh, so I, um, and mean tone temperament was always very, very important. And also just intonation, you know, when I hear a choir singing in that way, you know, I just get goosebumps and, and I feel like um, it's something, one of the most special things that exists you know, on earth to, to, to be able to hear music in uh, how it is um, intended for the early music. Um, and so um, anyway, once I said that came out of my mouth, I had to stop the car, you know, Kevin got very excited and, and um, we uh, then just sat there and looked at each other in, in bewilderment, really, and tried to digest this this comment that I made. And so, anyway, the short story is: we, we, of course, we could never get away from that idea from that point on. And then somehow figured out a concept <clears throat> to to make it work. You know, to um, at first we had the whole organ on dual temperament. And, and then later on, we decided to to make only part of the organ a uh, dual temperament, and uh, that meant to decide which stops of each divisions would be um, uh, also available in mean tone and bell tempered, and um, and how to make it, how to do it um, mechanically. But also the temperament, you know, when you make a temperament, you need, you know, you need 12 notes in an octave. And um, the, the previous, the other two organs that existed at that, at that time that are dual temperament organs had, did not start with a, in, with a quarter comma mean tone uh, temperament. It started with something more like a well-tempered and then figured out how many pipes do we need to get something sort of like a mean tone, but a fifth common mean tone in the Stanford University. Yeah. And uh, so, but that that was not really satisfying to me. I mean, that's a wonderful organ. It's, it's great, you know, and I love it. But I mean, to me, to make something new, um, I think we, we then you know, decided we need to absolutely start with quarter comma mean tone and then add as many pipes as we need to arrive at a acceptable, well-tempered tuning system, which uh, we figured out uh, with uh, help from other organ builders like Christian Wegscheider helped me a lot with figuring out the temperament because starting with a given temperament and then arriving with something else, uh, you most likely will end up not with a historic temperament, but something like it, but not exactly like historic. Um, so because so, so we, we ended up adding eight pipes per octave to each octave of those dual temperament stops, which there are 29 stops of the 55-stop organ, 29 of them uh, over the three uh, to uh, this great positive and pedal uh, are, are able to play in mean tone. So we um, <clears throat> added these eight pipes and we came to a, to a temperament that was quite acceptable also for romantic and, and contemporary literature. Uh, and um, you know, in some places, some some pieces might not be ideal, but but it's quite acceptable to most people. And um, the mechanical part of it, I did a little different, or quite different actually, than the fifth people. Uh, I did it in the stop action rather than in the uh, key action. So uh, basically, there are just two sliders uh, for all the dual temperament uh, stops. So you have like two organs in one, uh, you know. But the thing is, it's quite, um, it's quite um, the, the the real important real estate in an organ uh, is is you know not that easy to get often. But in this, you know, building two organs because that's also something that we tried to figure out. Maybe two organs instead of one, but. Uh, that would have been too expensive. Um, the, uh, but making a dual temperament organ, you can share the wind chests. You can share, the, of course, the whole key action. You can share uh, 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 the stop. Uh, no, the stop action is the one that's separate. That can, that's not shareable. And but but the wind system and many other things. The case, every you know, everything other than those extra pipes and the stop action are shared with between those two organs in one. 
and um, I um, I like that idea, and it works works really well. And obviously, it is uh, rather more expensive than, than just playing building a plain organ, but it is not you know as expensive as playing making two organs. Uh, yeah. yeah, and of course, it's not a. Um, it's it's not a situation where an organist has to be content with uh, with a general a generic uh, temperament or a sort of uh, maybe uh, equal temperament uh, mm-hmm. to play all kinds of repertoire, right? And yeah. uh, Kevin Vogt didn't want that, obviously, <laughs> because yeah. uh, because he understands that early music uh, requires different kinds of intervals. Relationship, yeah. and if you play everything on on equal temperament, you get the, those equal semitones. Uh, all the beauty of of major and minor chords and dissonant chords, of course, mm-hmm. uh, is gone probably. Right? Yes. Uh, of course. Yes. Uh, on the other hand, you have the possibility to modulate into any key you want, but then everything else is is just uh, gray, gray color mm-hmm. basically. Mm-hmm. And in, especially in quarter comma mean tone, when where the where the comma this uh, let's explain a little bit to our listeners what the comma is, right? And and how it is distributed. Uh, yes. Go ahead. You you are yeah. better than me at this. Yeah, the the, the comma happens uh, um, um, on keyboard instruments, especially because you know if one would uh, try to to tune all the intervals pure, then, you know, in simple terms, it's, uh, you would be left over with a quarter note, you know, at the end, and that quarter note needs to be distributed somehow over the 12 notes in an octave. And so I always, you know, tell people that don't really quite uh, understand easily this concept is it's kind of it's a little bit like the leap year you know you every four years there's a, a day that needs to be added to the calendar in order to 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 come out you know um to the first of january at some point again and that that is i think to me a, a very similar thing uh, so this quarter note quarter comma it's called we distribute all these um, this quarter note over and untune each note a little bit uh, in a certain way to a certain amount uh, in order to arrive at a temperament that is usable for making music. Wonderful, wonderful. That's a very clear explanation, right? And um, of course, it's it's uh, hard to understand without listening. But I hope you, our listeners will go go and listen to your organs and will will compare those sounds, right? Uh, that will be, of course, obvious when you hear major chord in quarter comma uh, temperament, and then uh, in uh, let's say even well temperament. It's it's different, yeah. right? Different, uh, different pure purity of the sound, especially yeah. major chords. Yeah. The the purity of the sound also creates um, another kind of phenomenon. I think um, in 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 music, when intervals are pure, uh, that interval sort of creates another kind of dimension, another note really below uh, the lowest note that you're playing. Which means that the, it, it can sound incredibly rich because of that. You know, it's like a resultant kind of a note. Most organ people understand that term, and uh, it's a phenomenon that you know two notes can create a third one that is below the lower one that you're playing. And um, I remember when Hans Davidson at the Westfield Center. Uh, event played my organ there, and uh, he played one piece. I think it was a Bruns piece. Uh, <clears throat> not sure which one. And anyway, he played it in two different keys under two different temperaments, and one one to make it um, work on bell tem- Well, one to just to show the the, the difference. And in, in, in when I listened to that on, on you know it was recorded, when I listened to that, I almost don't recognize. The two, you know, I don't, I don't put the two, or hardly put those two together as the same piece. In a different key, one in the mean tone, and I think that's because of that phenomenon that it, it makes, you know, the notes are 
basically in different places. You know, when you play through chromatically, you, you can get startled at some at sometimes when you're not used to it. Uh, you think there's something wrong. The note is not in the right place. Yeah. But, but in the music, of course, that's when it makes makes sense. You know, when it comes alive. Yeah. And it was such a brave idea, of course, to do this in one organ. Uh, it was done before, but not in quarter comma mean tone, right? Not to that, not to that extent, yeah. And, and I think so far, still not. You know, the eight x the twenty pipes per octave, so to speak. Yeah. yeah. So you added uh, eight more uh, pipes per octave, and then uh, you added more uh, sliders, right, uh, for for dual temperament stops, and yes. then. You have also to figure out all the all the other mechanical stuff, right? Uh, what goes where in your design of the organ, interior design, probably. Yes, yeah. yeah. I imagine the, that was quite complex. It's it's yeah, it's it's quite it's quite complex. I mean, there's a lot more stop action, and the organ, the the well-tempered side of the organ, which is the 55 stops. That also has a uh, an electric combination system, you know, for 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 preset setting combinations, and that um, you know it adds a lot of yeah. There's a lot of mechanical um, devices in that organ, and um, but also making sure that so the so because there are four pipes that share uh, the two different temperaments are shared with the two different temperaments. And that's the C and the D and the G and A. And all others have their own pipes. But those four pipes are shared between the two temperaments. And and uh, so it's very, very important that those four pipes or each pipe of those four always get the same amount of wind, you know, from two different wind sources. Uh-huh. You know, one, one comes from one channel and one comes from another. For, through another slider, and and there are these there's channeling involved and all that, and 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 if that's not uh, the same amount, a hundred percent the same amount of wind, then the pipe will be a little bit slightly out of tune, and then the whole purpose of of mean tone, of course, will be lost. But so there's yeah, there's a lot a lot of extra stuff going on. But if I was asked to do it again, I would do it. I would do it. You know. Right, or you know, I, I would certainly agree to do it again because I love, I love the, um, um, I love the mean tone in, uh, temperament. That's really it boils down to that, and and almost the only way to have that is, you know, have an instrument either with dual temperament or something that's retunable easily, like a like a uh, harpsichord or clavichord. And so, um, you know, for me to get it is to build it so if i can do it again i will i will for sure oh yeah that's that's possible of course uh, because uh, uh, people who will hear this organ or already heard uh, this magnificent instrument of yours some people will get envious right <laughs> and will yeah. uh, will yeah. think wow maybe if they did it in nebraska uh, maybe they could build it somewhere else too, you know. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's yeah. that's pro- probably possible. Yeah. So anyway, uh, I was also very interested in in your organ building uh, process. Uh, for example, when you receive a contract like this or another pro- like Opus Twenty Four, you are working in Westport mm-hmm. Presbyterian Church in Kansas City, right? Yeah. Um, so, for example, with this current project. Um, how did you start you, uh, after receiving this um, proposal? What, what what was first step? Yeah. <clears throat> um, okay, so um, that was a little bit of a challenge because um, we signed a contract uh, without a design uh, mm-hmm. because there was no church uh, building at that time. Uh, the church there burned burned uh, pretty much down, you know, and. Um, didn't have that much left, and they had to rebuild. You know, they, they rebuilt the church uh, in a completely different, um, with, with a different design, completely modern. Yeah. They, they left the old stone walls as ruins um, surrounding this, this new building. So it's kind of a neat, neat idea. At any rate, not having a design with a contract means it's an open question, you know, and how do you... Uh, 
really come to an agreement what the organ looks like and etc. So anyway, but the people there were very, you know, they certainly let me do most of the things um, the way I wanted to do it. But uh, still, you know, there were architects involved and. But anyway, at, uh, you know, at some point, once we had the, the building designed, um, I, uh, once they had it designed, I, you know, we started designing an organ for it. And architects were very generous with height for me. You know, they asked me what I need. And I said, oh, maybe 40 feet. And then they gave me 50 feet, you know. And, and so, so it, was, it was great. So it's going to be, an, you know, because of that, it's, it's going to be an organ that's very slender and very tall, mm-hmm. even though it, you know, houses 24 stops, it does, um, it, it, it looks much taller than, than an organ of 24 stops. Mm-hmm. So I, um, so that, and it needed to be sort of a modern, modern looking organ, and still like classic kind of, you know, having the, the different parts of an organ case that houses the different size pipes, you know, the facade, you know, in a certain configuration. And I needed to um, uh, come up with something modern, which is not that easy. The uh, Westport Presbyterian organ, um, as I said before, we had uh, with all this height, which is a luxury for an organ builder. You know, usually we we um, we need to uh, work with uh, smaller spaces, often um, in larger space. You know, but, but, you know, I mean, here in the United States, we we often have not enough space for the for the size organ that people want, you know, people uh, want, uh, you know, very many uh, very well-educated organists and I understand, of course they want to play uh, as much uh, literature as possible and therefore, you know, one needs all these stops, but in this case, um, again, Kevin Walk was the consultant and so he and I have a good relationship and a good uh, way of uh, dreaming things up and um, the tall organ um, is is going to uh, really look good in that building because it's a tall building, you know, and it's right on the floor and on the ground. It's a Presbyterian church. Mm-hmm. It's going to be installed in the front of the church. Um, and uh, the, for the first time, I'm making a reversed console. So the organist will look right into to the congregation. Yes. Yeah. And also see the choir left and right or wherever they want to set up. It's not a very large church. Um, and the concept of the organ is leaning a little bit uh, on the South German idea of, of, of uh, stop list. Um, it's, uh, but on the other hand, you know, it, I mean, I don't really like, like to, to build organs uh, tightly connected to a certain style I mean, I, my roots are definitely in the North German and Dutch, you know, organ building, because that's uh, what I find to work the best in most places. Mm-hmm. Um, because we here in the, in in the, in America, we have a lot of churches that that have dry acoustics uh, because they are built just like a house you know, with wood and then with sheetrock and hollow walls, <clears throat> so often very little bass, and uh, so. I, you know, for example, a French uh, concept, a total concept, uh, does not, in my opinion, work all that well in a dry acoustic. Um, and so we often are confronted with, with such acoustics and, and, and we need to, to take that in consideration. And, um, you know, like in a really dry acoustics, I, I try to, to incorporate more foundation stops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, and, 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 you know, and so I, you know, it's, there's always some educating going on, of course, when, when, when the project comes, uh, is talked about and is starting. So, uh, and, but that is always in my mind. I never have this notion of, you know, wanting to build whatever I kind of have a model and I want to build that no matter what. And that doesn't, that doesn't really um, work that way with me. And, um, so I really, of course, there are limitations here and there, less like like everything in life. And, but it's um, in in general, I have been very lucky, you know, with with having really great customers and also really many really good rooms, you know, like the one at Saint Cecilia, of course, is really great. Mm-hmm. This new one 
the new one in, in Westport, that was a curious or inter very interesting uh, situation. They invited me to to come there and talk to the architects, you know, about shaping the building. And that was very, um, that was a very fulfilling thing to, to, to be included in. And um, so therefore we could actually make, you know, the shape of the building and the materials of the building. So it could be a really successful mm -hmm. uh, environment for, for the organ and for music and, and you know, and choir. So they had acoustical consultants, an architect, and an organ committee, and so we came up with this concept. They pretty much left it to Kevin and, and myself what we wanted to do as far as stop lists, and um, yeah. So this um, and we have been because it is a new building. Uh, you know, contractors, also organ builders, often are late with their projects. So I had this situation of having a finished organ in my shop already for half a year and probably two or three more months to go because they had trouble getting the building done. Uh -huh. So yeah. your instrument is almost almost done, almost completed it, then? It's completely done, yeah. Even the next one, my next organ, 25, is almost done. Yeah, oh. so very, very unusual. Ah, <laughs> wonderful. So Opus 25 yeah. will be in uh, what? In, in Seattle, right? Exactly. Yeah, uh, the chapel of Epiphany Parish, right? That's right. Yeah. Uh huh. And yeah. how big is that organ? That is, I think it's eighteen stops. Eighteen two stops. Manuals, two manuals. It has a swell above the grate, so it's uh, on uh -huh. top of the divisions. And the pedal has a supas. Uh, the other stops, uh, three other stops in the pedal, are transmitted from the grate. The principal eight, a flute eight, and a trumpet eight. Uh -huh. And the supas and Borden, they share some pipes in the bass. And, so I they, and I see the organ is also in the front, right? That is in the front, yeah. And it's in a chapel. Uh, the, main, the main sanctuary of the church has a three-manual Noack organ from Massachusetts. Oh, uh, mm -hmm. About 20 years old, about... And so, but they wanted something for their chapel because it's their original church that uh, they had about a hundred years ago when it started. And so it's a, it's a very nice building and they do all kinds of things in there, you know, including small concerts and of course, weddings, funerals. And they wanted an organ that could do all kinds of things. It's a, it's a, it's a very generous chapel organ, I would say. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's going to be delivered in, in um, sometimes in the spring here soon. Uh huh. And what about twenty six Opus twenty six? Is it um, started? In, yeah, in Michigan. Yeah, just some parts here and there. You know, pedal board. And, mm -hmm. But we are very soon. We are going to start that organ. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's Grace Episcopal Church in Holland, Michigan. In Holland, Michigan. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think you are kind of familiar with that area, aren't you? Uh huh. Yeah. I was. I was nearby for a yes. time. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, this just came out of the blue, really. You know, not not an organist that I knew, but of course, always somebody always knows somebody else who knows me or somebody. So that's how it works. You know, word of mouth is that's how everything seems to happen in the organ world. Basically, you are right. Uh, one thing leads to another, right? And one connection leads to another. And it's so important to be open to those po connections. And of course, your, I would say, reputation, of course, speaks for itself and uh, grows the network uh, virally, virally, basically, because of that. Yes, yeah. Because uh, you are always uh, trying to perfect things, to not only to to do this, you know, good job of uh, basically building organs, but you have to, you sort of uh, strive to surpass your own limitations. I, I guess every time you build organs, so that's yeah. what makes you also unique. Yeah, yeah am I right? It's yeah, it's the um, you know if if you have a if one has a passion like you know I think I really do about it. Uh, of course, we're always trying to improve on either learning how not to do things, you know, and or or learning how mostly learning how 
how old masters, you know, how did it, how, how they did it, even though there um, might not be much document, real documentation, but so, you know, but there are the instruments that can be looked at. Uh, and, um, and, you know, it takes, you know, it takes a lot of time to look at instruments in detail, not just taking pictures, but, you know, blowing into a pipe and really looking carefully where the sound producing portion of the pipe is, you know, the language and the flu and the lips and all that. So, and, and, I mean, you know, like learning the language, sort of, you know, and that's once, so, and, and that's you know, not to copy, but, but to, to, to get the, the, the gist of things, you know, or what, what, what these instruments were about. And of course, we go to instruments that we really like and that are really well known for their quality. And um, um, so it's, um, yeah, it's an ongoing thing. We never, I literally can say that we never really make, um, we, we don't really have many standardized parts, you know, in an organ mm -hmm. for, so it's, it's because, and I, I don't like to make, but I, I sometimes say I make, oh, I make, make enough for the next organ too, you know, like tracker parts. But most of the time that doesn't work out because, you know, a lot of time goes by. We are a very small company, so it takes us a while to build each organ. A lot of time goes by and, you know, you learn new things uh, from one organ to the next, you know, how to make things better. Uh, or maybe sometimes even go back to sometimes old ways, you know, that we have done. Uh, I sometimes go back to an organ that... Uh, that we build, you know, you know, to maintain organs, to, organs we built, and said, "Wow, you know, why did we change that? That that works really well." And so, you know, I'm learning from my own work. Mm -hmm. you know, and it all started uh, from that uh, experience where you were led to see the inside of the organ in in the exactly. old instrument in Austria, right? Mm -hmm. So, so that priest was very, very, you know. Um, wise not only wise but insightful uh, yeah. to to do this and uh, to any organist who listening to, right now to us i i would suggest uh, look it thinking deeply about the situation maybe there are you you uh, young uh, people in their parishes in their um, circumstances who might be you know future organ builders not only organists but future organ builders because because you never know who is interested or not and uh, uh, like like in Vilnius for example sometimes we have these organ demonstrations for children and um, you know people are sometimes uh, fascinated by the stories around the organ not only f about mechanics but uh, ha 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 other stories related to that uh, my memories for example or even horror stories you know from ancient times that i tell so i think uh, our listeners could also um attempt to to introduce organ to the children of all ages uh, a little bit deeper and more proactively right because you never know what kind of impact it will have yeah. for the future yeah. of their uh, development yeah when, when we come to a church to install an organ i i very often you know invite classes uh, sometimes you know churches have their own schools but also from the outside uh, if there is some kind of connection, but that that's to me sort of the, a very important um, part of building the organs to expose these instruments to young people. I mean, everybody really, but you know, especially young people because they still have a whole life in front of them and they need to make decisions about what they want to do and need to learn what they like. And, and, uh, and there, there are always some kids that, that, that are more interested than others, you know, and, and but it's very satisfying to see that. Mm -hmm. And it is very satisfying to give, right? To give, a, yeah, give your, your, yes. your experience, your time, your knowledge away uh, f to people who are eager to get it not to everybody right because not everybody needs your work but but to some 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 child who who has this this eager eyes you see open and ears and ask questions that you cannot even answer right and yeah. uh, uh, and that's worth something uh, in, in in the long run uh, so mm -hmm. so i thank you so much for being so generous 
and giving back to the community, to the world, because mm -hmm. it makes the uh, world a better place and it's the right kind, the right, right thing to do, I think. Absolutely. Yeah, we don't, we, we can only gain by giving, really, you know. Anyway. Yes. So I hope uh, this year will will uh, will help you give even more and uh, uh, get in return also. Uh, it's a constant cycle of giving and sharing and getting uh, and mm -hmm. uh, borrowing uh, perhaps also. Uh, so uh, yeah. I thank you so much for your work that you're doing. It matters a lot to your your. Um, uh, deepest fans in 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 this country and yeah. uh, around the world also through your teaching in the videos and i hope you will consider expanding also your teaching uh, because there are many other areas in organ building that that people are eager to know about right for yes. example mm. even organ maintenance just regular organists uh, sometimes yeah. need to to know what 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 to do with the cipher right of course uh, the the most uh, wisest probably solution would be to call organ builder right mm -hmm. but if if you are in a country where there is no organ builders there there is such a situation sometimes around the world then yeah. you need to learn something and uh, that's where you yeah. come in right and that's even even here in the united states and canada i'm sure too mm -hmm. uh relatively few organ builders really i mean there's sometimes whole pockets of the country that that there's nobody around you know so it's it is it is something that we that we need more of you know mm -hmm. good people that that know um that know about organs and that can understand them so they can fix fix at least smaller problems that can occur with better changes, yeah, you know, ciphers, very simple to fix, but still one needs to know how, you know, how to look for the problem. Mm -hmm. And of course, we have to mention that if it's uh, historically precious materials, uh, uh, I think we don't advise to do this uh, on, on their own, right? It's better to, to call the expert, oh, yeah, qualified yeah, yeah. expert uh, yeah. in, in any uh, case, right? Uh, yeah. Not to damage the materials. Uh, um, but for people who want to hear more about you and your work, could you give us uh, a little link or, or to your website or to your video someplace? That yeah, you here. yeah. Every, uh, so my website uh, is, um, you know, www.paziorgans.com. So my name and organs, plural, .com. And even if you just type in my name, Martin Pazi organ or any kind of organ related term, I think you will be able to find my website. And on the website, of course, all the instruments are listed. And then there is also categories for videos and for music and uh, other links that anybody can click on and get free podcasts and also these uh, videos. There's a whole, a whole series um, of videos uh, on the pipe making, especially. On, on YouTube, but they can be linked. They're linked through my my um, website, so it's, mm -hmm. it, it's, it's really easy, easy to access. Exactly. Yeah, and uh, and uh, and it's very much in detail. So I think most people can can get a lot out of it. You know, mm -hmm. People that are interested. Uh, yeah. I'm sure. So again, thank you so much, Martin, uh, for doing the work uh, uh, you do, and uh, I hope you will continue uh, to do this successfully for many many years ahead of you you're very welcome and i thank you because it's this is a very uh, unique thing that you do um as far as i know and um high quality and uh, i like i like the fact that you're doing this this is you've sort of found found a, something important to do you know in that respect so and well, thank you thank you thank you i'm i'm grateful to you and uh, you know just like you said uh, i'm also trying to give back something that i learned to uh, yes. give back yes. to the people and mm -hmm. um and uh, i think uh, just for the ending of our conversation we can think that um everybody has uh, something to con contribute right something uh, somebody knows something that uh, other people don't know right maybe uh, not e even the even if you are an amateur organist and you are passionate about some 
some area of organ playing or even organ building, you might become, you know, even more passionate and even then become uh, become more knowledgeable about it, that area in 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 turn, and then you can share, and uh, that's what what giving means, right? And sharing. That's right. Yes. Yes, I agree. Yeah. So, uh, uh, have a wonderful day in in um, in uh, uh, West Coast, and yes, um, and I hope the weather will be nice for you, and uh, I will be eager to talk to you next time when you complete another set of magnificent and unique organs. Okay, great. Thanks so much. All the best for the bye new bye. year. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. If you liked this conversation, I encourage you to visit my blog Secrets of Organ Playing at organduo.lt where you will find lots of insights, practical advice and training for every area of organ playing. You can subscribe to this blog for free to get your daily dose of inspiration and to be the first to know when any of my future podcasts roll out. I hope to help you reach your dreams in organ playing. I'm Vidas Pinkavitus, thanks for listening, and I'll catch you online really soon.